Welcome to the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. I'm here to welcome you into the world of orgasmic living by hosting experts to discuss orgasmic topics such as nutrition, spirituality, personal development, sexuality, and much more. Here, we will offer lifestyle lessons that can help you lead a fulfilling, joyous, and orgasmic lifestyle. I'm your guide, Venus O'Hara. Welcome to the 12th episode of the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. In episode 12, we'll be interviewing Tova Lee, video creator and best-selling author of Fucked at 40 and You Did What? A book with lots of hot and revealing confessions. Then I'll be discussing the book I'm reading now, which is The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace Wattles. And finally, we'll be experiencing a guided meditation with affirmations for body positivity. But first, let's talk about my own journey with body positivity. Although I've done many erotic photo shoots and artistic nude shoots in the past, I wouldn't describe myself as very maybe body confident or bikini confident. When I was a teenager, I used to feel awful about myself. I used to get bullied at school for having very white skin. Everyone used to call me a ghost. And also everyone fancied Pamela Anderson and they were crazy about Baywatch. And I thought, wow, I look nothing like her. So I must be undesirable. But then when I was 16, 17, I started studying history of art. And that's when I had a little bit of a, a wake up call. I discovered Venus and all the Renaissance nudes. Many of them had pale skin, red hair and curves. And I thought, wow, that's like me and it looks beautiful. And I thought maybe I was born a few centuries too late. So I started to draw nudes and I was obsessed with Venus. And that's how I just, I was obsessed with this beauty and I wanted to kind of be Venus. Then I had a boyfriend who unfortunately wasn't a big fan, <laughs> unfortunately, and I had to deal with body shaming, which was very difficult because with the first person you are naked in front of, it's quite scary to, you feel very vulnerable about your body. And if that person is actually body shaming you, it can be incredibly traumatic. I remember once I was in the bath and he said to me, wow, you are a beautiful specimen. However, you could do with some breast implants and some liposuction on your belly. I remember I was just freezing with shock. I felt so sad and so disappointed and I just wanted to cry. And I was so in love with this guy, which is crazy. And the next time we had sex, I was wearing a t-shirt because I just was too ashamed to go naked. I didn't want him thinking that I was fat and flat chested. Yeah, terrible, I know. I've made better choices since then, but it did take me a while. The next boyfriend I had, who I thought was very different, was not much better in that respect. 
I was with him when I was in, let's say, second year, third year at university. And I went to live in Paris. And oh my God, I just, I was crazy for the pain au chocolat, the baguettes, the, the croissant au beurre, and buttering my baguettes with président. I wasn't vegan back then, but oh my God, these things were just incredible. And even though I had good intentions to go jogging in the morning, that was all, that all went down. <laughs> it was, it all went pear-shaped when I walked past the patisserie and I smelt those pain au chocolat just warm out of the oven. And I loved how it felt that warm chocolate in my mouth. Yes. But anyway, I remember I was buttering my baguette once and my boyfriend at the time said to me, maybe you should go easy on that butter. I was so insulted because I, I would never, ever body shame one of my partners. Because I mean, even though I've not been with, let's say most of the guys I've been with, I wouldn't say they were models, but they were beautiful to me. And I wanted to be beautiful for them as well. And I think that your partner really should be your number one fan. Later, when I was in my late 20s, I started to experiment with erotic modeling. It all started because I had a, another boyfriend who didn't body shame me at all. And we had, or he had a digital camera on his phone. And that was just so liberating for anyone who wanted to create their own erotic art. This was just absolutely incredible. And we just spent a few afternoons just taking pictures. And I just loved the experience. And even though I didn't feel completely body confident, I did know how to strike a pose and make my body look photogenic. I guess that comes from my experience as a history of art student. And I used to always also paint and draw nudes, but I never imagined myself being the muse. I was always the spectator. So it was quite a revolutionary sensation for me to actually be the muse and be in front of the spectator for a while. And I absolutely loved the experience so much that I started to actually do many erotic photography collaborations with photographers here in Barcelona and even some in London as well. And that's exactly why I started my sex blog in 2009, because I had this massive collection of photos that I wanted to showcase. And it wasn't just about photos, it's also about a message of body positivity because all of my photos are no edit and no filter, which is very, very, very rare. And also I didn't see, yeah, my philosophy being reflected anywhere because I do think there's just an obsession with um, over, you know, filtering, editing, face tuning, and then, and then also plastic surgery and I'm completely natural. So I'm natural and so are the photos. So I was very, um, for me, it was about empowerment and um, yeah, it was, a, it was, it was just, it was about a message and artistic expression as well. My last boyfriend has probably been, um, has been, was amazing about my body. He just made me feel desirable, whether I'd put on weight, whether I was hairy, because I have, you know, I haven't been very familiar with, um, with my razor during the lockdown, etc. And I got to a point where my legs were just like, um, you know, a big ball of fluff, seven months without shaving them. And even when I was unshowered, he made me feel desirable all the time. And I really believe that that's how it should be. But this year I've been going through a kind of um, disconnection and strange times with my own body. Uh, earlier in the year, in February, I was in hospital for the first time in my life and I had COVID, pneumonia and anemia. So I was so, so weak. I wasn't con concentrating on feeling sexy or being smooth or whatever. I was just trying to get my strength back. And um, that took me a long time. It took me maybe over a month actually to feel strong again. And well, 
just strong enough to go to the supermarket. I mean, I was just so, so weak. And then a few months later, I went back to the gym, but I could only start, I could only do things like yoga, Pilates. And I hadn't been to the gym for maybe almost two years at that point. And now gradually over time, I've been regaining my strength to a point where now I'm very, very, very strong in all my, in all the classes that I go to. And also I've been eating very well to kind of get over the anemia, first of all, and just gain strength and health in general. But I have actually gained maybe eight kilos and I'm, I'm working hard on trying to kind of get rid of the extra pandemic layer that I have accumulated. And I'm kind of almost getting to the place I want to be. Well, I'm not, I don't think I've lost too much volume, but um, I'm feeling very strong at least and, and accepting my new curves. I'm loving my new tits and my new ass, but it is difficult to, you know, f- let's say you're thinking about a certain shirt in your wardrobe and you go to grab it and then, and then it won't shut on you because of the your boobs are bigger. And that's something I've never, ever experienced before. But it's something I'm trying to kind of embrace at the moment. And uh, yes, yeah, so I'm almost at a point where I'm reconnecting with my body, almost at my objective. And it's very arousing just to kind of feel and experience this reconnection. And I'm so looking forward to getting rid of all of the cobwebs that I have accumulated. Now it's time for this episode's interview. I'm going to be speaking to Tova Lee, video creator and best-selling author of Fucked at 40 and you did what? Tova Lee, welcome to the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast. Thank you for taking part in this or- um, orgasmic, <laughs> saying Freudian slip, in this interview today. I'm very happy to have you here. So let's start at the beginning. What inspired you to create content about motherhood, sexuality, body image with humor, with comedy? Um, one word, desperation. Oh, wow. <laughs> No, because you're the first part of your question was what inspired you to to create content about motherhood. So yeah, it was definitely just. Yeah. Um, but using humor as a medium, how what, how did you um, decide to make it into something about like with co- using comedy? I mean, to be honest, I I wish I could say that this was a, a really a smart uh, master plan that I had really thought about, <laughs> sort of knew exactly what I was doing, but it really wasn't. I think probably my way of coping with how I was feeling um, was through comedy. Uh, So in the time, I I didn't feel like things were funny at all. But yeah, not even one bit. Uh, The kids were really young. I have three daughters. And I think I started the blog when my twins um, were two and my eldest was four. So still very much in the you know, you know, surrounded by nappies and just in that real fog of the early years of motherhood. And um, things didn't feel funny at all. But then I started ranting. And I don't know, the rants were funny, I suppose, like when hear it out loud there's something funny about it you know um and and people used to say to me oh how do you how can you laugh how do you manage to laugh and I thought listen I don't laugh in the moment trust me like in the moment I'm crying I'm like I'm yeah I'm I'm screaming I'm not laughing at all but later on when I reflect I see the comedy in it you know and and that was I think a way for me to cope uh um and then I just carried on doing that you know uh, with everything else that I that I do so it kind of led into talking more about women and body image and 
I really do believe that comedy helps. Like you can, you can get the information in so many ways you, and I do, and I also do serious stuff as well, but you know, when you see someone prancing around in a swimming suit with a massive wig tucked in to represent their enormous bush, uh, and they're, you know, singing, you know, uh, bush of glory, uh, <laughs> you can't help but laugh and then kind of just maybe feel a little bit better about your own apology. <laughs> and, um, and, and that was, that was my goal, really, you know, that was my goal. And it really does help me as well. You know, every time I do something ridiculous like that, it just makes everything else feel very easy, you know, not that, not, not a challenge. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. So how is your creative process with your videos? Do you record them yourself? Do you get an idea and just do it or do they take time? How does it vary? It really depends. I, I, I create a lot of content, like a lot. Uh, uh, so each it's so different. There are things that are, I think about in advance and I, I'd say probably most of my serious videos, I, I, I think about them a lot before and there's a, a whole process in them. I do a lot of videos about women's rights and, you know, I've made videos about rape and I've made videos about sexism and I've made videos about abortions and lots of very heavy videos topics. Uh, so those are topics that I really do like to take my time to make. I will research them. I'll, you know, I'll really do my homework. I'll find a lot of references and before I even write the script and then I write the script and then I shoot the video. And then we look for a whole bunch of stuff that goes into B-roll, you know, whether it's articles or, you know, a lot of data to back up what I'm saying, because for me, it's really important that if I'm going to put that type of piece of content out there, I really wanted to to, I know people are going to come at me. I know people are going to question what I'm saying. It's, this is not com comedy. This is not like a, do you know what I mean? Like I want to be backed up with a lot of um, facts. So, uh, so those take a long time. Like that could take me a whole month just for one video. Um, but a lot of the comedy videos and especially the short format, you know, the reels, the TikToks, they're very throwaway. You know, they could just be something that I saw in the morning or, you know, some, some silly thing. And I, again, I so wish I was organized enough to sort of be that creator that has days of shooting content and then days of doing this or that, but it just never works that way for me. <laughs> Maybe it's better that it's more spontaneous. And also you get your family involved as well. How, how does that work? Do they enjoy it? My family are involved to an extent, like my kids have been in some of my videos, uh, to be honest, they don't do a lot. Uh, sometimes they do stuff that's more like branded things that we do because it's maybe children's products or maybe it, it made sense for them to be in there, but they're literally in there um, as actors, mm -hmm. you know? roles that they play they know what they're supposed to do it, it would literally be like me hiring other you know child actors to play my children um and i pay them you know it's very oh, wow, great yeah, it's a work it's a it's a job thing you know and uh, and that's it and uh i don't i'm not a big fan of the sort of shooting them in real life like just doing their do you know what i mean like uh mm playing in the playground or doing uh, it's not my cup of tea to do that um my husband mike is more involved in what i do obviously because he's a grown-up and he he can make those decisions for himself and he's happy to he does a lot of the videos with me and of course we do a podcast together we do uh till death do us pod uh which is our weekly podcast um 
Uh, and that's fun. It's fun that we are able to do those things together. My community love Mike. A lot of them are American and they are with his uh, accent. <laughs> oh, wow. I do love that video of, of yours that um, when you're singing with the microphone and you see him from the side, like holding up the, <laughs> the, yeah. the um, hairdryer. That is literally our life. <laughs> <laughs> it must be really funny just to have that art going on as part of family time as well. Yeah, although I feel like for people from the outside, it probably seems more fun than what it actually is in real life. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Fun. And we do make ourselves laugh probably more than what we actually, we're not that funny, you know, <laughs> we, <laughs> hysterical, you know, but, uh, but, you know, sometimes it's, it doesn't feel, it's not like that. Sometimes it's, it just feels like work, you know, I think. Uh, I guess the laughs come in the editing after when you see it all edited. I think the nailed it videos, those type of small videos, we laugh in the moment a lot, especially the nailed it ones where we're trying to mimic some athlete or some great dancers who are doing something. And, you know, we, we never rehearse those. It's very off the cuff, like just do it. And usually we do it a couple of times, but the first take is nine times out of 10, the take that I actually use because it's oh, just... Wow. Yes, we didn't think about it. We just really tried. And usually we just laugh our way through it because we can't do anything. <laughs> it's just so bad. Um, and uh, and those, those are fun, you know. Um, but uh, a lot of the other things we do, it feels like work because it is work, you know. And I don't lie about it either because I think there's a lot of uh, that kind of false um uh, you know, uh, feel, you know, thing on social media. It's like, uh, this is just a fly off the wall looking at my life. And it's like, no, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not, it's never like that. So, you know. So you're going on tour soon, I believe. And, and what are you, are you doing a monologue or is it going to be some sketches? What's it going to be like? I'm going on tour to promote my new book, uh, You Did What, uh, which is a collection of secrets and confessions and basically stories, really, from women from all over the world. Um, and uh, the idea behind the book was that I, I've, I've been sharing people's confessions for years. I started on Facebook a few years ago, just as a, let's do something on a Friday night. Let's just have a drink you know, uh, hang out and just read confessions. And it soon became like this thing that everybody was really looking forward to every Friday. And what I discovered uh, through Pajama Party was that people, A, people hide the same secrets. So no matter where you are from the world, people experience shame and embarrassment over the same things. People do the same things and hide them. And secondly, what we discovered was that when they do share them and they get that feedback, they get the feedback of, wow, really? I thought I was the only one who did that, who said that, who had that experience, who felt that way. It really made them feel better because they went, I'm not weird like I always thought this was so weird but actually I'm normal look this we just don't speak about it um and I just thought we need to put this in a book you know so I'm really hopeful that that's what people take away from from the book and then the tour is to promote the book so in the tour in the show I basically share a lot of my own confessions and secrets about uh, the different themes that are in the book. So motherhood and sex relationships, uh, you know, body image, uh, all kinds of things. And I share some of other people's confessions in there as well. And 
there are some surprises. So I usually say that my shows are storytelling because I'm not a stand-up comedian, but I tell stories and some of them are funny. Uh, but there is something that I've never done that I'm doing in this show. Which oh, I'm wow. Gonna- Very intriguing. Surprise. And I am shitting myself. Like I am- <laughs> <laughs> so how does it compare being on stage to actually making videos? There's a massive difference in that. Are you more nervous about your nervous about being on stage? So different. I, I hate it. Like the process before the going on stage, I'm like nearly physically ill. You know, <laughs> I, I'm like, I feel sick. I want to vomit. I, I feel like, what have I done? Why am I here? Why did I put myself through this? <laughs> this is awful. Uh, but then once I'm on stage, it's so much fun. Uh, and to get the the sort of that uh, connection with the audience is something you just don't have obviously when you make a video and even when you're doing a live video and people are like, you know, talking in the comments, it's still, it's still just so, do you know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, so it, that is amazing to, to have that connection. And, and I went on tour last year uh, when I, when my first book came out, which we talked about last time. Um, and that was the absolute best thing about the tour was meeting people in person and, being able to then chat to them after the shows. And I'm, I'm really excited about that aspect. Um, I'm petrified about the performance, but really excited to meet people in person. <laughs> That's when you realize that what you're doing in your own home is actually reaching people. You don't really realize it when you see numbers on the screen. So I've had the same experience of doing tours in sex shops here in Spain. People say, I bought this because of you and it's changed my life. And I'm like, whoa. Every, every, you just realize that every one, every one comment is a person, you know, it's, it's incredible. That is so true. That is so mm-hmm. true you sometimes you get even like really lovely messages and of course they mean so much you know people saying you know I I read your book or I saw this video and it made a difference and this is how it impacted me and and that's always amazing but sometimes it doesn't have to happen often obviously but sometimes someone will say that to me on the street Mm -hmm. and that always blows me away because like you said it's like oh my god it's a real person like it's Mm -hmm. (laughs) not just like a dm you know <laughs> absolutely, absolutely and also speak i've been reading a book this week and um, i'm really happy to see that you included um body fluids <laughs> and and uh, more specifically bowel movements i think it's such an important part of life that we don't really discuss and um especially i mean i remember years ago when i had um you know going away on holiday with some boyfriends in a hotel and i felt like i couldn't go to the loo because they would hear in the to- in the in the bathroom of the hotel. Then I ended up being like constipated and bloated, and then just feeling really uncomfortable, being naked with this like huge belly going on. And um, and, and it's really crazy how. And then when you get to a stage where you there are farts and you can talk about these things, that you, you you reach a whole new level of intimacy. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and it's funny because you know people people I don't know if it's like an automated automated reaction. Uh, that we have uh, adapt, uh, adopted just because that's what we feel we ne- how we feel we need to react to it the sort of like ooh you know like something you know but you're right it's like it's so normal and it's so human and why 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 is it like why is it like that I honestly before doing confessions did not realize how many people had funny oops poop related stories out there like did not realize and that was probably the most confessions actually ever sent in were probably about poop um 
so yeah so to anybody listening out there you know um if if you've got a, a sort of weird poop uh, story please know that you are not alone <laughs> because it's very common I've just come to mind now something that happened to me when I was a student living in Paris. I was with this nice French guy, went out one night to the theater and had dinner. And then the next morning, we woke up in my tiny one single bed and he got out of bed and said, um, don't look at my underwear. There was no toilet paper in the toilet yesterday or something. And I was like, I just saw this like huge epic skid marks on this white underwear. I was like, I could never be with the guy again, you know? It was just like, yeah. ah. Wow. <laughs> it was just like awful. And he, had, I mean, if, you, if he'd gone through that, you'd surely try and hide it, you know? <laughs> the fact there was no shame, it was really weird. No, why would he highlight it? That's just so funny. Oh, he God. said, don't look at it. But I was like, once you say don't look, you yeah. look, don't you? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but, but also with some boyfriends, it's been really funny that the farting, farting is another funny thing. I used to have an online kind of slave for a few years and he had this like kind of symphony fart, like a really long one that would change in. It was just, it was just incredible. And every time he did it, he would like dance. It was one of our kind of funny jokes. But I think when you reach that level of, level of intimacy, when, when it's just funny for you too, it's just really beautiful, isn't it, as well? <laughs> wow. That is, I mean, to be honest, I don't really know what to say to that. <laughs> That is great. I feel like I should have talked to you before the book came out. I, you would have had great stories to add to this book, you know? <laughs> Fart Symphony, never heard yeah. of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean it's, uh, I've never, I wouldn't dare to do that in front of someone else, really, but it's nice when someone else takes the lead, so to speak. <laughs> I feel so comfortable that they can, you know, play music with their bottom. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And speaking of body image and body shame, you, you share a lot of content about, about this topic. And it's such an important topic, especially on social media, where we see so much fakery. I mean, first of all, people are kind of operated at you know, very young ages now, and then we've got all the filters in place. It's just a really crazy world of um, perfection and pressure. So yeah. tell us about your content on the body and body image. I mean, to be honest, like I feel now, uh, you know, it's gone through so many different stages. And I think that is also a reflection of probably my age and uh, age in general, because how we see the world, it changes throughout your life. Uh, so I would say a few years ago, if you asked me that question, just after I had written Fucked at 40 and I had my midlife crisis, I would have talked to you loads about, you know, the stuff that I did, the reconnecting to the body, to the dancing, the moving, the finding my sexuality again, the, all of those things. Uh, but now, if I'm being honest, I come to it from a completely different uh, point of view now. I just really don't have time to waste anymore on um, you know, on thinking, you know, on, on, on kind of thinking on that thinking, thinking about my body in those type of terms, you know, I'm so grateful um, that I have a body. I'm so grateful that my body works, you know, honestly, mm. that I get up every morning and I can walk and I, and I, and, I, and I'm breathing and I can do the things that I need to do and want to do. Um, I'm just so grateful. And, and I don't know if it was coming out of a pandemic, you know, yeah. where a lot very ill and I'm so grateful, you know, my body got me through it. And whether it's, you know, turning 46 uh, next, next month and going, you know what, it's going to be very soon where I, when I, when I can officially say I've had more past than a future. 
<laughs> do I really want to spend the rest of the time that I have here uh, thinking about my weight and what, you know, and what size I am? I just, I, I'm just not interested anymore, you know? Um, and I'm very sympathetic, obviously, to anybody who's still in that place, who still, you know, really feels, you know, maybe feels uncomfortable, wants to change something, not happy. I get it. I was there for many, many years, but I, I do still share a lot of content about body image, but I'm, I'm coming at it, I think now from a completely different place. And I think for me, it, just exposure is probably more, has more of an impact, you know? Um, one of the things that I'm talking about at the moment, and I, I was, I was going to share something probably in the next few days uh, in that line as well, is just, it really made a massive difference to me when I changed. I think what you see around you impacts what you think about yourself. And if you surround yourself only by, like you said, a lot of accounts on uh, social media that are very one type of accounts. And so, like you said, the filtered, the very pretty, the very beautiful, glossy, all that, then it, it impacts you. It impacts how you see the world and, and what you think about yourself. And I just, I just did a cleanup. I was like, this doesn't make me feel great. So why am I following this person? Like good for them, but it's not for me. And I just completely changed the people I was following. And when I go on Instagram now, I really see a very diverse kind of you know, a uh, bunch of people uh, who are doing a bunch of different things and great things. And, you know, and they have different body types and shapes and sizes. And I feel very normal, you know, amongst them. And I just think that's something within our control because you can't really control uh, directly um, what the, you're going to see in advertisements and in movies and in the magazines. Um, but you can very easily control what you see on your feed on social media. You just have to choose who to follow. Um, so, so yeah, definitely, so I think social media can be a great thing or a bad thing, depending on the accounts you follow and, and listening to your body and how it makes you feel, you know, if it's yeah. a good thing or, or a bad thing, there's so many body positive, um, accounts out there. And, um, and there's also something I saw on Instagram, which really kind of, I found very disturbing was these, these adverts for FaceTime, FaceTune, you know, those, um, it's actually, Yes. filters but also with video and they were taking a person who looked really good without it and, and they looked better without it and then kind of smoothing out the skin and making the hair a different color making their eyes big that just looks weird making their eyes bigger and then painting their lips and then all the comments on the bottom were like this is terrible this is terrible and I mean it, I think people are just so sick of this and I think it must be much harder for for young people growing up now, I mean, my time, it was, you know, magazines or something, whereas now everyone's got this kind of pressure on their phones. Do you think um, the fact that you're a mother of daughters kind of influences your body image content? Yeah, no, I think I, I think a lot about my girls and especially, you know, a lot of the stuff that I do and I talk about is with them in mind, uh, of course, you know, I want them to be, to grow up in a world that is kinder to women and is, you know, and is better. Uh, so that definitely does drive me. Um, when it comes to the body image thing, well, first of all, my kids are not on social media. <laughs> they don't have devices, and I probably am scaring them about social media. Like my parents scared me about drugs. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's quite similar depending on how you use it, I suppose. Oh, exactly. <laughs> like it has a lot of similar, you know, it can be really bad for you and it's addictive and all those type of things, whatever. But um, 
So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, 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 I'm talking to them quite openly about how I use social media and why I use it. And it's my job. And this is, and I, we talk about it a lot and you know what it, and, and with, with regards to the body image, you know, you talked about filters. It's a real, real, real decision for me that I make uh, and I make it every day is to just not use those filters. Yeah, no filter. yeah. yeah no filters. <laughs> and I could be waking up at, in the morning and have no makeup and still do a story, you know, and, and, and if I, and obviously sometimes, I mean, it happens literally once in a blue moon, but sometimes I will have a picture that was done by a professional photographer in a studio with great lighting and amazing makeup. And, you know, it looked, and maybe it was even airbrushed. I don't know, but I will make a point to say so that people know this image you know, was a professional image. It really happens very rarely. But I think it, I think what it is, is that if people are at least honest about that and upfront about it, then it potentially would be less damaging. Um, but, so do you think uh, there should be warnings? Do you think there should be warnings? Yeah, just like uh, there are warnings on cigarette packs, you know, like this harm. So yeah, you, you should, people should say, you know, there should be a warning, like a disclaimer, you know, um, why not? You know, so how can we deal with um, body shamers? Because sometimes there's there's too much of that, I guess, on online and offline. I remember recently I actually hosted at an event um, by the beach, and there was a woman walking around with um, not much clothes on, wearing this tiny thong. And this woman in the group I was with was like, "Oh my god, look at the state of her!" And I was just, I just felt so bad. I, I, I just thought you don't know what someone's story is, you know, or about. Why and I think I think it's we should be admiring people's confidence rather than trying to to body shame them. I think you know it's exact. You you really hit it. Like this is exactly what I think. That how dare she? It, no, the look at her, the state of her. Really, what it is is how dare she? You know, there's that kind of how dare she? And by the way, the how dare she? It, sometimes it comes not just about body, but it could even be about success, daring to dream be, big, being anything outside of the box that was dictated like for women. So if you walk slightly outside of that box, you will get the how dare she, who does she think she is? You know, here am I slaving over you know eating celery for 30 years and i i will i will never walk with a thong on the beach because you know no like and there she is just how dare she and i'm not cross by the way when it comes from women that's really sad isn't it we should be supporting each other (laughs) it's frustrating and it's disappointing and i won't lie like in the moment you just want to go no i'm on your team like no but i it takes a moment, but I, I do, I do, I do have a lot of empathy because I know that, that when it comes from a woman, it really does come, I think, from a place where it's, it, we're hurt mm. and we've all been brainwashed. Do you know what I mean? So I will try at least to make an effort to have a dialogue with that, but I also get it from men. And I actually shared, um, and, let, and then I'm much less interested in what they have to say, by the way. Like, I really don't care what strange men like think about me, my life, my body, my, couldn't give a shit. Uh, but I did, uh, but I did share a little uh, kind of video that I got this message from this guy. You saw it? I, I think I saw it. You made a collection of messages. I think I saw it on a post. Things. One was yeah. like a film. 
but one was this DM from this James guy. I hid his last name, obviously, on his image. Um, that basically said, uh, you know, you, you know, down like you're disgusting, and how dare you walk around in the internet and and promote like you, you know, you're just lazy and you know whatever, whatever. And it, and he said like, how dare you or something like that. And I said, uh, you know, in my post, I actually took it away from James because it wasn't about him. It was more about actually, I feel like women are pressured to um, engage in our appearance so that we get distracted and we don't notice what's actually what everything else that's going on. Because, you know, if we're constantly consumed by our weight and constantly consumed by what we look like, then are we actually paying attention to other things that are happening in the world, you know? Uh, and 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 I and I and I I did like have that moment like God if I actually counted the number of minutes hours and days in my life that have been dedicated to trying to count calories or whatever that's a lot of minutes you know that's a lot of minutes and I I started thinking well who's benefiting from that who benefits from that that I'm engaged in that so much. Um, and I think the more women the more successful women are the more they are like there's a demand on them to look a certain way or to whatever, whatever. So I took it as a compliment that James was so outraged by the fact that I, you know, prance around my, you know, my underwear on the internet and I don't give a fuck. So I took it as a compliment. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, I found that all these, all these haters, they never have their own picture. Have you found that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pressure on women. Um, something that kind of really um, impacted me this year was when I saw the uh, was it the Super Bowl thing with the weekend? Is it, I can't remember what it's called. I'm not already up on media. You know the Super Bowl concert that they do in is it February? Yes. It yeah. was it was the weekend this year. You know. That, okay. That, yeah. So it was incredible. It was really obviously with the COVID restrictions, this, this massive show, and he was wearing this red blazer throughout the whole thing. You know the medley of his best songs I'm not sure how long that goes on for maybe 15 minutes I'm not sure yeah then you compare that to last year with J-Lo and Shakira and it's all about ass and, and she looks great but isn't it you know when it's a woman female performer it's all about you know costume changes and the body whereas a male performer is not really doing costume changes because it's about yeah. the song isn't it you know, I just thought it was a massive contrast I didn't you know? see it honest I, I know I, I get where you're coming from I know what you're saying I just I didn't see it I'm gonna have to see it I'm gonna have to watch it yeah it's absolutely fantastic I mean if you if, if you the protagonist of your work is the voice and you don't need to have all these costume yeah. changes and flashing your ass and all of that kind of thing I think as women it goes back to you know to sexism and you're right uh I, you know the focus uh, a lot of times uh, when it comes to women, no matter in what field, it could be athletes, you know, it could be artists, it could be politicians. Oh, even. of course. Yeah, massively. I mean, remember the, the Theresa May and Nicholas Sturgeon in the legs and stuff. I mean. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's unheard of, you know, or so it's either the looks or their, or their love uh, lives, you know, mm. so like, who was it? Jennifer Aniston. Who oh yeah, won- yeah. Everyone feels sorry for her. About Brad Pitt, you know, have uh, touching her arm. You're like, who cares? Who cares if he touched her arm? You know, <laughs> the woman just won an award for like an achievement, like her achievements. And ah, it's just like it. Yeah, it's it's sexist. It's that's sexism. Yeah, definitely. So, do you have a favorite confession in your book? Um, I don't have a favorite. To be honest, uh, 
I, I love so many of them. It would be very hard and mean uh, of me to just pick one. Um, you know, uh, the favorite, conf- I'll, I'll, gi- I'll give you a few favorites from the different sections, okay? So my favorite confession from the bodily fluid uh, mm-hmm. we've already mentioned was not poop-related. It's actually period-related. And it's uh, a woman who confessed that she wore a white jumpsuit which already is a bit like <laughs> it's a white jumpsuit to a very very you know big event and then ended up getting her period uh having to go to the bathroom and sort of clean herself up but realizing that actually that meant taking off the jumpsuit and remaining naked in a public toilet um and i guess it wasn't a lot of blood because she thought she could clean it because you know i'm thinking blood on a white jumpsuit like forget about it but I guess it wasn't a lot uh so what she did was she went into the toilet she took off the jumpsuit and she washed it in the toilet water (laughs) oh my god (laughs) oh that sounds awful wow I love that one uh yeah because you could just picture it right she writes it it's also written really well like it was quite detailed and you know the mirror was there and it's very dramatic (laughs) (laughs) um we've had lots of sex confessions obviously um the the sex uh, section obviously is like the biggest section in the book as you can probably imagine um there's a lot of people confessing uh you know to masturbating with a lot of very strange items i think probably the strangest item is a fidget spinner um wow yeah Yeah. actually actually moving which is it i I don't know and the way phrased it was it was like the best orgasm she ever had so I'm now very curious (laughs) wow I saw one that kind of like impacted me earlier about the um the butt plug I mean I mean I'm actually also a soy designer now and I'm really um you know trying to trying to make the industry safer because there's no regulations in this uh, industry at all and um so butt plugs have to have this flared base and a lot of them don't you know, there are stories because you're you can absorb a toy quite easily. And there's a story that was in the Daily Mail and some other newspapers in the UK about a girl who was with a guy. The end, though, that it's like it can't. So like it's a big you can't. Yeah, but some of them have got these little jewels on them and, and those ones are not wide enough. And there's a girl who was using one of those. It was metal. And then she's with a boyfriend and they're like, where did you put the butt plug? And they're like, where is it looking all over? And then she lays on her stomach and it's vibrating. And she had to go to the hospital. It's really great that she shared the story because this happens Wait, way more often. Out? Like, wouldn't it have just come back out? No, like, because it, you can absorb it. That's why they need to have this flared base. It's so important. Oh, where would it go? End up in your stomach? Yeah, like, exactly. Would- There's like a, an, an x-ray with the, <laughs> you see the butt plug inside. So I think it's, the, the, the comments were hilarious, but I, I think it's fantastic that this girl shared the story with the press because it's really important to raise awareness about this because it's so, so important. And it's not enough talked about with sex toys and safety. I mean, the first time I went to the sex toy fair in, in Germany, I had this awful, I had an awful reaction to some balls and it was, do you know what Bartholonitis is? No, no. It's when the Bartholin glands in the vagina swell. Okay. They're the glands that make the lubrication. So I had like one of my labia went like this. So two days after this fair, I was, I couldn't walk. And, and I was thinking this damn, this industry that doesn't even take safety into account. It's really quite scandalous. I'm trying, I'm trying to do all I can from the inside to make Are everything safe. The fair? Are you going to the fair this year, this November? It's actually been uh, postponed to 
spring. So hopefully, it was going to be in November, but... Because um, I was invited to go this year, actually. I was invited oh. by one of the sex brands that I um, collaborate with, but we haven't, we didn't, we haven't discussed it now in a long time. So maybe that's why they hadn't mentioned it. I'm really intrigued. I'd love to go. Oh, we we'll uh, see you there. It's so much fun. It's, it's really yeah. cool because it's like part of just business to business. So you get to meet everyone in the industry. Oh, it's, I, it's amazing. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to start, I'm going to talk to them about it again. Cause yeah. Oh, now that I know you're there, that'll be so much fun. Yeah. yeah. And you get loads of free stuff. And, and the funny thing is when you're going through the airport on the way back, I mean, I mean the people on the, uh, the, um, security have seen all these, you know, <laughs> opening all these <laughs> suitcases with like loads of dildos and stuff. Cause everyone's giving out free stuff. So you can, you come out with all these big bags, you know, it's really fun. Yeah. I feel like I've got enough now. <laughs> <laughs> never enough. <laughs> yeah, there's never enough. I know it's just not enough time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> A couple of quick questions. What is the What is the book that changed your life? Um, I don't know if I'd say it changed my life, but. Uh, a book that I think was very significant and I read it very long ago, probably need to read it again. Uh, and I, I hope I don't say the names, the title wrong. Um, it, it's running with, Oh God, is it running with wolf? Yeah. I think it's you running know? with wolves. I've heard of it. I don't know who wrote it, but I've, a lot of people talk about that book. Cause I want to say the name of the author. Let me just find it. I wrote, I, I read this in my twenties. Yes. Women who run with wolves. Uh, and it is by Clarissa Pinkola Estes. Uh, I, I read this in my twenties and actually I really, I'm going to order this again and I'm going to read it again because I remember like being so inspired by this book, you know, never thought about women in that kind of way. It talks about like your inner wild animal and just, never thought about it that way. You know, I was, I was, I, I grew up in Israel and I guess my parents had a very traditional type of relationship. My dad was the you know provider. My mom was at home. In many ways, I felt like my, my, I felt my mom will probably say this about herself as well. Um, but I, I felt like my mom that wild woman that I did see never came out. Like, do you know what I mean? In oh, that yeah, relationship. Yeah. And it, it felt like that was the role that women was, were going to play, like the role that we were meant to play. And when I read that book, it just, it blew me away. You know, it really did. I wonder if I'll have the same reaction if I read it now. <laughs> I'll have to tell you. Yeah. What about, do you have a phrase or a quote that you live by for favorite affirmation? I don't know. I mean, I love the, I love the sort of like, uh, fuck it. <laughs> Just fuck it. Okay. Uh, but all, and also, I guess I love saying yes, like say yes, figure it out later. I feel like that's a really good uh, approach just in general, because I think that if I think too much, I, I get too scared of things and I, I find, I think of all the things that might go wrong and what I worry about. And then I'll just end up saying no. So I just go, yes. <laughs> and I'll figure it out later. It's interesting. There's a film called Yes Man with Jim, Jim Carrey. I've not seen it, but it's a, it's a very, it's like that philosophy when you start saying yes to things and how doors and opportunities open up. It's true. It's true. It's true. Every time, like, I think you, uh, I've ordered the book, by the way, every time you uh, sort of like uh, ponder too much about something, I don't know, it just tends to not happen. And if you go like with that positive energy, yeah, things, I guess things happen. And also, I think it's a way for me, at least to cope with, um, with fear. 
mm-hmm. because uh, I do, I am afraid of a lot of things, you know, I, I'm, I'm scared of flying and I'm, 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 you know, I'm scared of stuff. If I, if I really sat down and thought about how I'm, you know, going up on stage, I would never go on stage, you know, but the way I, I say to myself is, why are you worrying about it today? It's not today. You've got like 14 days. So worry about it in 14 days. And then like, that's how I, and then when the day comes, I'm like, why are you worrying about it now? It's like, it's in 20 minutes. Like there's no one worrying about it now. That's kind of how I do it. <laughs> Great. So where can people find you? So if you're looking for the book, uh, the book is available worldwide and probably the best place to go is just Amazon, depending on what country you're in. Uh, and for me, myself, my platforms, uh, so just Tova Lee, Tova underscore Lee, which is L-E-I-G-H uh, on Instagram uh, and TikTok and Facebook and YouTube. Uh, and uh, my website is tovalee.com, which has all of my information. <laughs> Fantastic. Tova, thank you so much for joining us today on the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast. It's been very entertaining. I love the title of your podcast. So reaching the climax in all areas of life, because I'm talking to people of, of all areas like spirituality, nutrition, and sexuality. Yeah. And uh, so I'm so sick of this oversexed kind of approach to sexuality. It's not how I see sexuality. Yeah. I'm just kind of present it as part of lifestyle. So that's that's kind of the philosophy behind it. Yeah. Right, because the the way usually if the press uh, kind of write about it, they make it sound very. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think porn is like the the McDonald's of sex. You know, so, so I want to kind of get away from that and get more into a healthy lifestyle. And also with the censorship, I get sick of all this kind of like tits and ass content you see in this industry. You know, like ah. Cool. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you to you. And uh, hopefully, I will see you in the spring in Hanover. That'd be so cool. The book I'm reading now is The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace D. Wattles. This book was first published in 1910 and it's a classic. It's been in print ever since and the advice in it is timeless. It's still very applicable today. It's a very short book and in the version I have, it's 59 pages. However, I found I was only reading about five pages a day because it really is quite dense. And I think whatever you read, it's what's very important is how you apply the lessons to your life. Many of the ideas in this book I've read many times in different books, such as Think and Grow Rich and others. But one idea that was very new to me was that of charity. He says not to get involved in charity work, as charity work, for example, concentrates on, let's say, keeping people in a lack mentality. It doesn't really help them to evolve. It keeps them where they are. I thought that was quite an interesting concept. It's not something that I have come across before. As I said, the book is very short and there is some repetition in it. For example, he keeps repeating the same idea at the end of a chapter and then as the, the book goes by, then he kind of adds on to this to this paragraph. And I'm going to read to you the summary of this book if you'd like to close your eyes and listen. There is a thinking stuff from which all things are made and which in its original state permeates, penetrates, and fills the interspaces of the universe. A thought in this substance produces the thing that is imaged by the thought. A person can form things in his thought, and by impressing his thought upon formless substance, can cause the thing he thinks about to be created.
In order to do this, a person must pass from the competitive to the creative mind. Otherwise, he cannot be in harmony with formless intelligence, which is always creative and never competitive in spirit. A person must form a clear and definite mental image of the things he wishes to have, to do, or to become, and he must hold this mental image in his thoughts while being deeply grateful to the Supreme that all his desires are granted to him. And that's from The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace D. Wattles. Now it's time to slow things down as we prepare for this episode's guided affirmations meditation. It's probably not a good idea to listen to this while driving or operating machinery. Instead, take a break from whatever you're doing, get comfortable, take a deep breath and enjoy. Smiles that have lit up my face. 
grateful to my body for all it does for me. My body is a miracle and I love it just as it is. I love my body. I am grateful for my body. I love the butterflies in my stomach when I'm in love. I adore the warmth of a hug. I am patient with my body. I respect my body's limits. My body is a miracle and I love it just as it is. I love my body. I am grateful for my body. My body is beautiful just as it is. My body deserves to be loved and appreciated. I am able to maintain a healthy body weight. My body is a miracle and I love it just as it is. To find out more about me and my orgasmic lifestyle, visit venusohara.org or follow me on Instagram at instagram.com slash venusohara. Make sure to search for the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara in Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening, have an orgasmic week, and make sure every day is a climax.